I just wanted to say a few words about the papers that I just graded. Um, I want to, again, reiterate that the requirements for the papers are as follows. You're supposed to choose preferably a narrative because the course is designed to focus on slave narratives. Now, some of you chose works that are outside of the slave narrative genre. Some of you chose poetry, which was something I really did not want you to do. Uh, what you need to do for the next few papers is choose a work that you could really discuss in terms of a new critical approach. Now, what is a new critical approach? When you look at the text and its components, like the use of symbolism, the use of figurative language, the development of characters, the author's writing style, all of these are components that you could easily talk about in a full-length analysis. Some of you, again, tried to do a, a fairly decent job at personalizing your analysis of the chosen work. The problem was that uh, some of you had some grammar issues, okay? And what do I mean by that? Well, even though some of you had some very thoughtful analysis, it was marred or disrupted by problems in grammar. And for some of you, I suggested that you take another look at the grammar information that's under the pages section on Canvas. Now, what are the major grammatical errors? What are the errors, the grammatical errors, that really hurt papers? Number one, fragments. And just in a nutshell, I can say that a lot of the papers that I graded had fragments. What does that mean? That means incomplete sentences. And a lot of times, that's due to a wrong word choice, which some of you had problems with using the right word or words in trying to get your point across. So if you have a sentence that's missing a word or has a misspelled word or you don't show the proper um, punctuation for possession, well, the whole sentence is rendered as a fragment, okay? So just one word can throw off an entire sentence. So what you need to do for the next few assignments is make sure that you do a close proofreading. Some of you did take advantage of the opportunity to send me early rough drafts, okay? And I, I really applaud that, and I appreciate that. But a lot of you, I think, just at the last minute tried to put your papers together. Some of you did not even read the instructions. 
were not fully aware of what you needed to do in terms of the requirements for the papers. Some of you did not know that you had to incorporate two criticisms. Okay? Now, what does that mean? Now, for some of you who took the time to really listen to the library session that was conducted by David Heisel, you already know what I mean by that. What do I mean by critical sources? I mean journal articles or books written by scholars, okay? Now, one or two of you chose to utilize sources like um, Cliff Notes, okay, encyclopedias, or just general uh, pieces that really didn't have authors and were not totally credible in terms of legitimacy, okay? They may have fit what you tried to say, but overall, when you bring in critical sources, they need to come in from academic journal articles and or books, okay? So again, some of you, um, unfortunately, didn't even understand or read the original requirements for all of these papers. The major portion of each paper is for you to do research. So for some of you who did not bring in any any support from academic journals and or books, well, you automatically earned a 50 because that was really half of the requirement. So you may have had maybe a good analysis, but if you did not back it up with academic critics that supported at least one of the points in your thesis statement, then your assignment was just half done. And then couple that with what I saw in a lot of these papers. Some of you just made careless errors. Uh, some of you, I think, may have legitimate issues when it comes down to writing style, uh, awkward sentences. Some of you constantly repeated yourselves because you ran out of things to say. And in some cases, the reason why some people ran out of things to say is because they really didn't have an adequate thesis statement, if they had one at all, okay? So let me reiterate. For these papers, what you need to do is choose a narrative, a full-blown work uh, that will give you plenty to talk about, okay? Number two, you need to read the work and you need to know exactly what happened in the work. Some of you in these papers uh, incorrectly referred to character names and events that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Make sure that you have fully read the work, that you're not trying to do a general overview of the work without having really read the work or analyzed the work, okay? Because that's going to come out in the paper, okay? So 
make sure you read the work and make sure that the work is a narrative, a slave narrative. Now, what does that mean? That means any work that's written by a current or um, previous or ex-slave that talks about their um, experiences during slavery. Now, there are some works that are written after slavery that are considered as neo-slave narratives, okay? So that is acceptable, okay? But in terms of choosing poetry or some small work that has nothing to do with the slave narrative genre, uh, you're already going in the wrong direction, okay? This course is designed to focus on slave narratives. So you need to choose a slave narrative, a traditional slave narrative, or what we call a neo-slave narrative, meaning uh, works that are written after slavery but have a lot of commonalities with the traditional slave narrative genre. So for the next two papers, you need to listen up. This is what you need to do. Number one, choose a slave narrative, okay? Number two, once you choose that slave narrative, make sure you understand what it is about, okay? Make sure that you're not utilizing cliff notes to fully understand the work. You need to read the work that you've chosen. And then, after you have chosen the work and have thoroughly read it, then you come up with your own thesis statement, okay? Which I would recommend you try to come up with a thesis statement that's based on two, maybe three, major components about the work in terms of literary components, okay? What do I mean by that? Well, when you do a new critical approach, you're looking just at the text and the text only. And when you do a new critical approach or a traditional literary analysis approach, you're looking at things like the development of characters, the symbolism, the figurative language use, uh, foreshadowing, irony, anything that's connected to literary elements. And for a fuller understanding of that, you need to take a look at the literary terms list that I placed under pages, okay? Some of you had no thesis statements, or if you did establish a thesis statement, it was too general. And some of you just uh, focus mainly on the plot of the narrative instead of getting into a full-blown specific analysis of the literary components. Okay, so if your thesis statement was too general, more than likely, all you wound up doing was just telling point by point what the story was about. That is not the focus of these papers. For each position paper, you need to establish a thesis statement that's focused on literary elements in the work that you chose, meaning you should be focusing on characterization, 
symbols, figurative language, imagery, okay, themes. Those are the types of things you should be talking about when you do a critical analysis in these position papers. So if you have no thesis statement or a general thesis statement, more than likely, and I saw this in some of the papers, all you're going to do is just summarize the work. Okay? So without a focused thesis statement, you are in danger of ruining the rest of the work, the rest of the, your, your paper, because all you're going to do is just summarize the work you chose. Okay? So, choose a slave narrative. When you choose the slave narrative, make sure you read it and understand it. Okay? After you have read it and understood it, then you need to come up with a thesis statement that's based on two, maybe three, literary components about the work that stood out to you. Now, uh, that don't, you know, go to your library uh, resources uh, before you come up with your own thesis statement, okay? Once you have come up with your own thesis, that's when you go to the library. And when you go to the library, go to the literary databases, the research databases, okay, where you can find journal articles, peer-reviewed journal articles, okay, or book chapters, okay, maybe entire books, although I don't expect you to have to read uh, a total book to get your, your resources. But again, when you're trying to find critical sources, those are the types of things you should go to. And I'm not asking you to read every word in each scholarly article or book. You just need to peruse the work and see if you can find a scholar who's basically saying the same thing you're trying to say, at least on one of your thesis points, okay? So the whole idea of each paper is for you to get acquainted with doing research. Finding scholarly articles, peer-reviewed articles that support at least part of your thesis statement. And then you're supposed to incorporate quotes from those two scholarly articles somewhere in the body of your paper as it applies to the points that you're discussing, okay? So the whole idea of each position paper is for you to include academic sources, okay? And for the first two position papers, you're required to bring in two critical sources and quote from those two critical sources somewhere in the body of your paper, okay? So once you have chosen your narrative, then you come up with your own thesis statement. Then you go to the library to find two scholars who basically agree 
with at least one of the points in your thesis statement. Once you have found those two scholarly articles, okay, then you need to quote from those two articles somewhere in the body of your paper. Only quotes that support what it was that you were talking about in your thesis statement, at least one of the points in your thesis statement. Okay, Let me reiterate. How are these papers supposed to be organized? Well, in the introduction, you're supposed to briefly summarize the work, uh, say something about the author and his or her background, and then the last sentence should be a one-sentence thesis statement. Some of you had a thesis statement, but you broke it up into two sentences. No, the last sentence should be a specific, focused thesis statement, okay, that talks about two, three, maybe four major components about the work that you want to discuss, okay? And I recommend for a traditional literary analysis that you focus on things like figurative language, symbolism, imagery, development of characters, themes, okay, irony, foreshadowing, all things that are related to the literature. Okay? And then once you develop the body of your paper, you're supposed to devote at least one paragraph to each of those thesis points. And then within those paragraphs, you should bring in at least one quoted example from the work you chose. Now, in some of the papers that I just graded, I noticed some of you really didn't utilize a lot of quoted examples from the work that was chosen, okay? So when I see something like that, I start to question whether you really read the work or not. So you don't need to do an analysis that's based on generalizations, okay? You need to at least show quotes, examples from the work that you're analyzing uh, to support what you're trying to say. Don't just give me general discussion without bringing in quotes from the work, okay? So for each thesis point, you're supposed to devote a paragraph, okay? And a paragraph, what do I mean by that? You need to have at least five sentences or more in the paragraph, okay? Don't give me short paragraphs. And within those paragraphs, you should develop your own analysis, but also bring in quotations as examples from the work you've chosen, okay? So for each thesis point, you should have a fully developed paragraph. And then once you have fully supported the thesis statement, then you should have an adequate conclusion. And in that concluding paragraph, the first sentence should be a restatement of your original thesis statement. And then for the rest of the concluding paragraph, you should talk about recommendations, 
meaning do you recommend this work that you chose for further study? You could talk about what you learned as a result of doing the analysis of the work. You could also talk about um, how the work reminds you of what is still going on in the world today, whether it's personal or societal. You need to address those points in a concluding paragraph. Some of you didn't do that. Okay? So, organizationally, make sure you have a good introduction that briefly summarizes the work and the author's background. And within that very first paragraph, you should have your thesis statement. And it should be the last sentence in the introduction. For the rest of the paper, you should devote at least a paragraph to each of your thesis points and in the order of the points that you originally mentioned in your thesis. Okay? I shouldn't have to look in your second or third paragraph to find your thesis statement. Or if you do establish a thesis statement, make sure that you follow the order of the points in your thesis statement in the body of the paper. And within each of those paragraphs, you should bring in your own point of view, but back it up by at least one quoted example from the work. Okay? No general discussions without bringing in specific quotes, okay? And when you do quote from either a critic or the actual work you chose, you need to make sure that you utilize parenthetical documentation, which carries me to another uh, pet peeve that I have. In the first papers, I noticed some of you did not utilize consistently parenthetical documentation. If you don't utilize that, you can be charged with plagiarism. So after every direct quote or even a paraphrase, in the parentheses, you need to put the pertinent information. And I think I mentioned this in my first audio recording. If you choose a work that has page numbers, you need to listen. A work that has page numbers, if you mention the author's name before the quote, then in the parentheses, all you need to do is put a number, a number of the, the page, okay? Not PG, not P-A-G-E, but just put the number of the page or pages that you are quoting from without the author's name. Why? Because you mentioned the author before the quote. If you don't mention the author's name before a quote and that quote is on a page number, well, then what you need to do in the parentheses is put just the last name, no comma, and then the actual number or numbers of the pages where the quote came from. You don't use PAG or PG. Just put 
the numbers. If you are utilizing a source that has no page numbers, then you are supposed to, in the parentheses, put last name and the four-digit year that that article was published. You do that consistently, whether you mention the author's name before the quote or not. Why? Because any sources that don't have page numbers, you need to document still utilizing last name of the critic or author and the four-digit year of publication. Okay, That's if the source has no page numbers. So, in your upcoming papers, make sure that you follow instructions, okay? Organizationally and in terms of documentation, make sure that you follow the original rules of MLA, which also are listed under your pages section, okay? I put a link under your pages section where you can go and look up the rules of how to, number one, set up a paper, formally set up a paper. Some of you did not utilize page numbers. Some of you incorrectly referred to the works cited page as a reference page. Uh, some of you did not do proper indents. Some of you uh, did not adequately set up your major paper according to MLA. So make sure that you review those rules before you write the next two papers. Okay, Follow the uh, written examples as well as the uh, visual examples that Purdue Owl shows for you um, under the link that I've placed under pages. Okay, so there's visual examples that you need to look at in terms of how the final paper should look in terms of format. Okay, so follow instructions. The next paper you need to bring in two academic sources, meaning you should find critics who have written about your work and have published articles about your work in what we call peer-reviewed journals and or books. Okay? So organizationally, you need to follow instructions. Documentation, you need to make sure that you incorporate parenthetical documentation for paraphrases or direct quotes. And make sure that if your sources have page numbers, you follow the rules that I just outlined. Author, if the author is not mentioned before the quote, then you put the author's last name and the page number where the quote came from. In the parentheses. You don't put P-A-G-E or P-G. 
you just put the number. If the source has page numbers, okay, and you mention the author's name before the quote, then in the parentheses, all you need to do is not put the title of the work that you got the quote from, just put the page number. Reason being is that all complete information is going to be on your work's cited page. So you don't need to take up a lot of space in your actual analysis by you know, quoting the entire title of the work in your parentheses. It's either going to be the last name of the author and the page number or just the page number. If someone reading your work wants to find out the information that you're utilizing, all they need to do is go to your Works Cited page. And again, how do you set up the Works Cited page? All of this is outlined for you in the MLA Handbook, 8th edition. Okay, so organizationally, I'm going to be looking at whether you have an adequate introduction, an adequate body, and conclusion. Okay, your papers should be at least five complete pages. Okay, in my first audio, I said I prefer six pages of content with the seventh page being the works cited page. Okay, I'll allow you a little leeway, okay? At least give me five pages content with the sixth page being your works cited page, okay? What else? What else am I grading you on? I already talked about organization. Okay, there's three things that I'm going to be grading you on. Number one is organization, and I just discussed that. Number two, content. Do you have anything relevant to say? Do you know what you're talking about when you're doing your critique? As I mentioned earlier, some of you incorrectly referred to certain things in the chosen narrative. Uh, some of you... Uh, particularly those who talked about Frederick Douglass, referred to Hugh Auld as Thomas Auld. That is not the case. Some of you got confused because there's more than one adult Auld in Frederick Douglass's 1845 narrative. The man that's married to Sophia Auld is named Hugh Auld, not Thomas Auld. Okay? Thomas is the one who sent Douglas to Covey, the Negro breaker. And to kind of give you an idea about what I'm talking about, okay, some of you uh, refer to not just uh, Hugh Auld as Thomas Auld, okay, but you also uh, spelled Covey as Convey, which for those of you who did that, you wound up uh, causing a lot of sentences to not make sense, okay? When you say Mr. Convey, uh, you're, you're basically setting yourself up 
for numerous fragments because the sentences won't make sense if you're using the wrong words. Some of you, it was obvious you didn't do a thorough reading of what you chose to critique. And as a result, you got some facts wrong. You got the names of characters wrong. So when I say content, I mean that you present an analysis that's based on facts and that you do a good job at making an argument for what you want to say by utilizing enough examples and details from the work to support your thesis. So three things I'll be grading you on. Organization, content, I just defined it. Number three is grammar. And I know it's been a long time for some of you in terms of grammar, but keep in mind that if you do not present a paper that's fairly clean of major grammatical errors, then you're going to hurt your argument. A lot of you had numerous fragments, which means incomplete sentences, a lack of a subject or a verb. Sometimes you just left out words or you use the wrong words. Um, that is a fragment when the sentence doesn't make sense because you left out a word or because there's a lack of subject or verb. A lot of you had comma splices. What is a comma splice and why is that important? A comma splice is when you have a comma between two complete sentences, okay, which to correct that, you need either a conjunction, a period, or a semicolon. Never, ever link two complete sentences with a comma, okay? What is a fused sentence or a run-on sentence? That is when you do just the opposite. When you bring one or more complete sentences together with nothing between them. No punctuation, nothing. Some of you had a problem with that. When you brought two complete sentences together with nothing between them. And again, how would you basically correct that? Same way you would correct a, a comma splice. You either utilize a semicolon, a conjunction, or just put a plain period. Okay? So comma splices, fused or run-on sentences, sentence fragments, those are major grammatical errors that if you have too many of them, it's going to really hurt what you're trying to say in a paper. So grammar is very important. The last major grammatical error that I'll talk about is subject-verb disagreement. Not a lot of you had problems with that, but again, you need to review what we mean when we say subject-verb disagreement. A simple example of that is if you say something like, we is going to the store, okay? Your subject and your verb must agree in terms of number, okay? Meaning that if you have a plural 
subject, okay? Like uh, we, that's a plural pronoun. Or if you're talking about more than one person, right? Or persons, then your verb should agree, okay? So if you say something like the boys are going to class, okay? Note the verb, A-R-E. You wouldn't say the boys is going to class. So your verb and the number of your subject should agree. If you have a singular subject, okay, then more than likely your verb is going to be is or have an S. If your verb is plural, meaning more than one, then your verb is not going to have an S, meaning A-R-E, okay? Now, sometimes you might have a subject that is plural, but it doesn't have an S on it, okay? Um, give you an example. Data, D-A-T-A. -A. That doesn't have an S on it, but that is the plural version of datum. And a lot of you have seen this misused in a lot of ways, even in um, academic or um, professional writings. But the accurate way of doing this is to say data are, data or data are. A-R-E, okay? I've seen a lot of cases where people use data is. That is subject-verb disagreement because data is plural, even though it doesn't have an S. Medium versus media, okay? Medium is the singular version of media, M-E-D-I-A. So sometimes plural subjects will not visibly have an S, but you still need to provide the correct verb. So major grammatical errors, what are they? Comma spices, okay, when you put a comma between two complete sentences. Fuse the run-on sentences, when you're linking two or more sentences with nothing between them. Sentence fragments, when your sentence is lacking a subject or a verb, or quite simply the sentence just doesn't make sense because you didn't do a good job at proofreading and you may have left out a word or you may have utilized um, the wrong word, which threw the whole meaning of the sentence off, meaning that it doesn't make sense, meaning that it's a fragment. Misspellings can lead to fragments, okay? Not using the possessive um, form when you're trying to uh, express more than one or possession. Okay, if you use um, the wrong form of possession, okay, then the whole sentence isn't going to make sense, okay? So make sure that when there's ownership being shown, that you use apostrophe S, okay? 
make sure that in a sentence, you know the difference between I-T apostrophe S and I-T-S. I-T apostrophe S means it is, okay? But if you put it in a sentence and try to utilize it as if it's showing possession, then that whole sentence is not going to make it make sense, and it's going to be a fragment. So you need to review grammar, grammar rules, when you're doing your proofreading. Otherwise, you may have a good idea in your paper. You may have a strong analysis. But if every other sentence is full of grammatical errors, then you're going to hurt your argument. So three major areas that you need to focus on for the next two papers. Number one, organization. Make sure you follow instructions by setting up a thorough introduction that summarizes the author, the author's works, and a thesis statement, which should be the last sentence in the introduction. Without a thesis statement, the rest of your paper will not function. So you need to make sure that when you establish your thesis statement, that you're doing it based on specific, focused, literary components about the work you chose. If you don't do that, then all you're going to do is wind up summarizing the work with no analysis whatsoever. And then in the body of the paper, you devote at least a paragraph, meaning in length, a paragraph should be five or more sentences long. I don't like short paragraphs. So make sure that for each of your thesis points, you have devoted a paragraph. And within that paragraph, you should bring in your own analysis, but also bring in a quote from the work as an example to support that particular point. So for each of your thesis points, you should have a fully developed paragraph that includes the things that I just talked about. So if you have three points in your thesis statement, then you may have three paragraphs in the body of your paper. Okay? Then you need to have a strong conclusion. First sentence, restatement of the thesis. Rest of the conclusion you should talk about recommendations, what you may have learned from doing the analysis, make connections between the work and what's going on today, or maybe your own personal experiences. But you need to develop that last paragraph according to my original instructions. So organization, number one. Number two, content. Did you have something relevant to say? Did you back up what you said? Did you understand what you were talking about? And number three, grammar. Make sure that mechanically, okay, stylistically, syntax, all of that should be in place because if you have grammatical errors, or awkwardly constructed sentences, which a lot of you did have. Some of you had a tendency at 
giving me long, drawn-out sentences that in the end did not make sense because you left out a word or two, okay? Some of you repeated yourself over and over again, same words, same phrases, same statements, repeated over and over again. And in those cases, it became quite clear that some of you just ran out of things to say and didn't know what you were talking about or didn't fully understand the assignment. Because if you develop a clear-cut thesis statement, you can avoid those problems. So for those of you who did not establish a thesis statement or a clear-cut thesis statement focused on the things that I just talked about, then of course you're going to run out of things to say. And as a result, you're going to wind up repeating the same points over and over again. And I saw that as a major problem in some of these papers. Okay, So make sure that beginning in the first paragraph, you know what you're talking about and that you specifically talk about maybe two, three literary components of the work you've chosen so that you won't stray and get off track and become unfocused in what you're trying to say. Because if you get off track, then unfortunately, I'm going to see what I saw in a lot of these papers. Some of you were just just throwing in a lot of words that didn't have meaning, rep repetition, awkwardly constructed sentences, and as a result, your whole analysis suffered because you didn't stylistically, mechanically present the paper in a way that made your analysis clear, okay? So, organization, content, grammar, please make sure that you focus on these three components when you're working on your papers, okay? So, again, I just wanted to kind of give you an overview about some of the problems that I saw in a few of the papers. Some of you did not do a good job in terms of grammar, okay? And that's understandable to a point, but if every other sentence had misspelled words, missing words, after a while, I had to say to myself, you didn't do a thorough job of proofreading. You just hurriedly put the paper together. And that, that is a no-no. That hurts. Okay? And that, that's something I do not want to see in these upcoming paper assignments. Okay? And I'll mention this before I close. I offered this opportunity for the first paper, and I will continue to offer opportunities for the next two papers to where I will review rough drafts, okay? And I will send everybody 
a timeline, a time frame when I will start looking at papers and the cutoff date when I will stop looking at early drafts. Okay. Now, are early drafts required? No, but I would recommend for some of you anyway that you turn in early drafts and then I will make comments that hopefully will help you in the final draft. Okay? So, for the next paper, make sure that you follow my recommendations. Okay? And just in a nutshell, major problems that I saw. Grammar in terms of fragments, comma splices, fuse, run-on sentences, subject-verb disagreement. It ran the gambit. Okay, so I saw all of those types of grammatical errors in the first papers. Okay. Number two, establish a clear-cut thesis statement, meaning you should focus a one-sentence thesis statement on two, maybe three major components of the work you chose, meaning you should focus on symbolism characterization, and the literary elements that I have listed on your literary terms list, okay? Don't give me a general thesis statement or you'll wind up just repeating the plot of the story, okay? Make sure you choose a classical slave narrative or a neo-slave narrative. And if you need any recommendations or advice on the types of slave narratives you should consider, please email or call me, okay? Another thing, when you utilize quotes from the work or your critics, make sure that you parenthetically document those quotes, okay? And more than a lot of you, and more than what I really expected, uh, did not include at least two critical academic journal articles or books to support your thesis statement. That is a major component of the assignment. And some of you did not do that, did not include any academic secondary sources. Don't do that again. For, for those of you who forgot to do that or didn't know you had to do that, make sure that you keep in mind that when I say academic sources, I mean legitimate sources coming from academic journals that are peer-reviewed, or books. Don't just pick random quotes from students or from cliff notes or from some generalized uh, website that has no scholarly uh, support, no scholarly validation. You need to go to journals, okay? to find 
scholars who are basically saying some of what you're trying to say. But don't go to the research first before you establish your own thesis statement. Okay? That's enough for right now. Um, what I'm going to do is, um, again, do another audio recording prior to the next paper that's due. And in that next um, audio recording, I'm going to uh, do a general overview about the types of things you should be talking about when you choose a narrative to analyze. And keep in mind, you don't have to just choose one narrative. You can do a comparison contrast between two different narratives. Some students in the past have chosen to do a comparison contrast paper between Frederick Douglass and Harriet Jacobs. Talking about two similarities and two differences between the narratives. Okay, You can do that. You can do a comparative analysis between Equiano and, say, Venture Smith or Brotier. Okay? There's a number of ways you can approach this. Okay? But make sure that whatever you do, you back it up with research. Okay? I think that sums it up for right now. Keep in mind that I am available if you want to talk to me via Zoom email, or phone. Do not wait until the last minute to do these assignments. Make sure that you have done the readings on your syllabus. That will help you. It will make it easier for you to make the right choices when it comes down to these papers. Okay? Have a good night. And I'll be talking to you soon.